Kale and Company, weekday mornings, 6 till 10. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Get us on the free Odyssey app. Watch us live on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram as well at 1210 WPHT. What's on the cut sheet coming up 745 this morning? Another great prize for our morning mystery movie clip at 920. And uh, it's the 26th of September. Just a few more days left for the Disney trip. Free trip to Walt Disney World every single morning at 9.50 here on Kale & Company. For the month of September, we've been giving you a keyword. You take that on over to 1210WPHD.com and enter it for your chance at a free trip to Disney. And stop by the merch store while you're there. Yeah. Buy some stuff. Buy some merch. Purchase all the swag. All the shows. I can't wait to see that Dawn Show shirt. That's a sin. <laughs> I still think that's the clear runaway front runner. It's a sin. But, or it's a sin. But um, what's the other one we came up with yesterday? We floated out the Dawn Show. It's it, for the boys. Yeah, she doesn't like that that much. Yeah. Okay. Always surrounded by guys. <laughs> Always surrounded by guys that aren't good with handy equipment. <laughs> as we established last week. Yeah, it's true. In some of the video highlights yeah, that yeah. you'll see on social media. Yep. Yeah. All right, 855-839-1210. We will get you this Perkiomen Valley uh, update from last week in just a few moments, uh, as well as some Hillary Clinton AOC stuff when it comes to the economy, and also Joe Biden and the Dems and their threat to the with a third party saying it's pretty bleeping serious, which is a, a very interesting perspective coming from uh, Hillary Clinton. So we'll get to that as we continue, but let's get to some news. 704, hour number two, and here is Dawn Stensland. Yes, and good morning this Tuesday, September 26th. A chilly, dreary, rainy day in store. I'll tell you when the sun comes out. We've talked about the fact that it's a developing story this morning as police investigate what happened this morning, this Gruesome discovery with a SEPTA bus driver making the discovery early this morning when police say the SEPTA bus driver could not get around a blue Toyota Prius. This happened right in the middle of 17th Street, 17th and South Street. So the bus driver gets out and finds a man in the driver's seat shot in the head, bleeding heavily inside his vehicle. The driver gets help, calls first responders who rush the man to the hospital. He's in critical condition right now. So we're looking at, you know, hoping for a news conference or information from police. They've not yet identified the victim. Was this some kind of a carjacking? Was it a hit? And we know that there were a lot of surveillance type cameras in that area that they've been reviewing. So they feel confident that they have a lot of good information there as well. We're awaiting the preliminary hearing today. And this is a developing a follow up story to one that we've reported extensively on. And that is the case for Officer Mark Dial, lawyers for the Philadelphia police officer say that they're pushing a judge today to reduce or throw out these first-degree murder charges as well as other charges that defense attorneys say are ridiculous and historic lodged against the officer who's in the process of being fired. He was jailed, bail revoked. And that was the plan by District Attorney Larry Krasner when he filed those first-degree murder charges. This was in the case of a motorist who refused to stop, had been driving erratically, drove wrong way down a one-way street, and appeared to be reaching for some kind of a weapon. It was a tragic situation. That man, Eddie Irizarry, who was shot and killed by the officer, was actually reaching for a knife but the officer said he thought it was a firearm. He was indeed reaching 
for a weapon <clears throat> by all accounts. But yep. we, we've been following this for you. And so it's, um, you know, obviously causing a lot of uh, you know, con- uh, contentious uh, reaction from the community. Some mm-hmm. want officers like this to go to on trial for first degree murder. Others in the community say yeah. this is the wrong thing. Yeah, the thing I, I really hate for those, like I, I like to let the process play out. Let's see body cam footage. Let's see all the evidence before we have a rush to judgment, jump to conclusions and say, oh, he did nothing wrong or he should absolutely serve the rest of his life in jail. But I, I think what people fail to realize with this is when you're in those situations, and I get it, you get training and you're supposed to be aware of all the elements and uh, not overreact and not panic. But when it's your life and you don't know what that guy is doing and you don't know what he's reaching for or what he has in his waist pocket or in his vehicle in his console. So it's almost like we've reached the point, especially in these cities like Philadelphia with DAs like Krasner, where it's like, you know what? Just let him reach for it, and once he shoots you in the chest, then it's okay. Or once he stabs you or charges you, then it's okay. But but you you better be a hundred percent sure, or we're going to throw the book at you. We don't throw the book at the criminals anymore, but we will throw the book at the police officers. It's just it's a, I I don't think people understand just in that moment. Like hey, it's a split second. Like it's your life. It's their life, and especially when you have given these suspects every opportunity stand down, hands up, come out, whatever it might be, and they don't listen to the directives that are sent to them. Like, you better do it, or, like, I've got a gun, I've got a taser, I've got my partner. It's not going to work out well for you, buddy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, now this officer is fighting, you know, he if convicted on this first-degree murder charge, is 20, 30 years behind bars. Uh-huh. That's that's what... So and he's now, got a very high-profile attorney, correct? Yes. I remember we, we were mentioning... McGonagall, yep, yeah, yep, McMonagall, excuse yep. me, but yeah, I mean, one of probably one of, I mean, he's nationally renowned, so probably the best attorney in Philadelphia you could have, mm-hmm. and respected by the judges as well. And of course, that always helps because in Philadelphia, it's always a small world, yeah. <laughs> uh, we do want to talk about the Perky Omen Valley School District community recovering from a series of these threats, bomb threats, and they follow a lot of the stories that we had talked about when hundreds of students had performed a peaceful walkout. And this was over the school restroom policy that those students who walked out said they were standing up for especially girls in school who have the right to be feel safe in a safe space inside of a bathroom because males under the policy currently have a right, boys and young men have a right to be in the locker room and the girls' bathroom under the current policy. Mm-hmm. So uh, we know that school was dismissed last Thursday after threats targeted Perky Omen Valley School District, and then they were repeated against again Friday, and some of those threats referenced, referencing apparently the school's bathroom policy. Yeah, I have uh, the email here. I'll save it for after you wrap up the sponsors, and we'll kick that around for a couple of minutes. Okay, so um, putting that one out there, and also the John Fetterman reaction that the Fetterman team had said, <clears throat> had released a statement. Again, I don't think U.S. Senator John Fetterman, who was the first Democrat to come out uh, condemning Bob Menendez and telling him to step down, but Senator John Fetterman's campaign confirming they received $5,000 from the leadership pack of Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey during the recent 2022 election cycle. So now the Pennsylvania Senator's spokesman, 
not not the the spokesman speaking for the senator said that quote we're in the process of returning the money in envelopes stuffed with one hundred dollar bills. <laughs> so one of the headlines, you know. You know, if you're Menendez today and you sit there and you say, "Man, even the guy with the hooded sweatshirt and the cargo shorts wants me out." Man, this is not a good look. This is not a good look for me right now, right? <laughs> this is true. This is so true. Uh, NBC Ten first alert forecast. Sorry, I don't have a lot of great news. Tomorrow the sun will come out, will make an appearance, but today it's another drizzly, dreary day. Um, not a washout by, by any account. However, we're at 58 degrees, cloudy, feels like 56. So this cool, dreary, damp, cloudy weather continues. Coastal flood advisory looks like the rain will return between about 1030-ish to noon-ish today. And then again during the evening rush. So I know that we had some wipeouts this morning on some of the roadways, the Schuylkill, et cetera. So just some warnings. It is slick out there. Tomorrow we will see a glimmer of sunshine will come out tomorrow afternoon, but we could have some morning rain. And really it looks like throughout the week it's this on again, off again, spattering of rain, uh, mid to upper 60s. We really don't come out of this pattern until next Sunday, bright sunny skies. That's your NBC 10 first alert forecast. And of course, the big story that's the good news. I don't know. Are we doing Eagles highlights for the seven? Eagles. All right. Eagles, we won 25-11. It was a beautiful thing. I'll just say that. And now first place in the NFC East Woo-hoo! after the Cowboys choked it away on Sunday. <laughs> How about that? E-L-G-S, E-L-G-S! <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> we love Eagles fans, drunk Eagle fans, doesn't fans matter. Can't spell it, don't matter. <laughs> That's Kellen Company News Live. All right, Don, thank you very much. Seven thirteen here on this Tuesday morning. So uh, let's have a little bit of a conversation with what you mentioned there in the news about Perky Omen Valley. Uh, you talked about the bomb threats that were on Thursday of last week, repeated again on Friday. And I've got the transcript of the email that was sent. And then there, it's 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 got to be one of two things. But uh, it says the following, quote, you are willing to put girls at risk of being sexually assaulted and raped, disregarding their comfort so that you can assert yourself as being progressive woke heroes. The threatening email stated I'm reading from patch dot com, by the way, according to the Pottstown Mercury. Quote, we're not going to tolerate you sick, perverted freaks. You are child abusers and have forfeit your right to life. You expletive pieces of expletive. We will expletive kill all of you. And then there's the B word, uh, B-A-S-T-A-R-D-S. I don't even want to say that on the radio in case there's kids listening. Um, Quote, you will undo this bathroom decision or you will continue to face our wrath. That's what the email said. Uh, and Perky Omen Valley did not provide a public statement over the threats or response to it beyond acknowledging the incident. They said, quote, today's early dismissal was a response to threats made specific to the Perky Omen Valley School District. It's important to clarify that the threats we received were unrelated to those associated with a recent swatting campaign as categorized by the Pennsylvania Criminal Intelligence Center. Swatting is the malicious act of making false threats often anonymously or under a false identity. And the threats come just days after that walkout where it probably had to be a couple of hundred students. I think it was 400 was the number that I recall. And I I, I don't know who did this, how valid it is, but there's, there's one of two things here. And I think everybody would agree it has to be one of the two. 
Either it's true and it's awful to do. We don't condone that. I don't think anybody that is in support of girls not having to deal with dudes in their bathroom supports sending out a threatening expletive-laced email. There's way better options. There's far more effective options to voice your displeasure over a policy, student walkouts, parent-teacher meetings, school board meetings, protesting, all of that. Um, Or the second option is, and I wouldn't rule this out, the left is very diabolical. Could that be a planted fake email to smear the parents who simply don't want daughters in a bathroom with a guy who believes he's actually a girl? And then to make it look like, oh, see, here's here's these these right wing radicals threatening us with emails. It's one of two. I don't know which one it is. I don't know which one is more likely, but it's it's one of those two things. It's just I, I didn't think we would ever get to this point. And school drama is nothing new. Yeah, it changes in its shape and its form and its uh, delivery and the topics of discussion and debate change over decades and generations. But I just didn't think we would get to the point now where, like, you know, it's it's so con it's so unbelievable that we are ridiculing a mom or a dad that has a daughter that doesn't want a man or a, a young boy in the bathroom, and then the backlash is. Students walk out. Okay, that's cool. That's your right. I, I applaud them for that. I mean, if parents aren't going to do anything, if teachers aren't going to do anything, some students that have common sense say, no, this is this is absurd. Women have these rights, and, and it should not be, um, you know, in, um, in jeopardy over trans feelings. But I didn't think we would get to the point where we would have threatening emails. Again, whether they're valid and true or they're false and it's all part of a, 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 you know, a thicker plot, so to speak. But that's where we are, and that's it's a Perky Omen Valley thing. It's a Bucks County thing, but we're talking about it locally. But, Don, you know this. Uh, Moms for Liberty, they're, they're all over the country. And these these school, I hate using like the indoctrination word because I feel like that's played out at this point. Um, and ideology is another word. That's a buzzword we use all the time. But these are things that are going on across the country in every region of the country. It's not just localized to one area or more red areas versus blue areas. It just seems like now more than ever, school choice, parental rights, vouchers, things like that are one of the most pertinent things that we are discussing politically and really important because we're talking about children. We're talking about minors. You're talking about the future of your country, but you're also looking at it from the political lens of, you know, both sides trying to appeal to young potential voters let's not lose sight of that yeah the left clearly is always looking for the gen z voter and i think if you're on the right you should also be doing what you know these students are doing with these walkouts and that will eventually become a political talking point when these children become of the age to vote yeah and to your point and i think it's a great point that you make the students who walked out and i love the way you covered it last was it last week, Nick, when you talked about that? And and it was covered by national media that you saw a very peaceful protest. Students walked out in an orderly fashion, and you saw then their parents were outside with signs supporting them. Some of the media reported that students on both sides were uh, support. No, that that's not what this was. The vast majority of those hundreds of students who peacefully, quietly walked out in an orderly fashion were, in fact, supporting a policy that would have girls be protected in a girl's bathroom or locker room. That That's the truth, and we saw it in the video. Mm-hmm. 
So that's number one. But this isn't just about transgender bathrooms. This is the very school district we've been covering now because they have those strict mandates. And this was the one in the spring of 2022. Remember, there were three parents, three, who fought because they said that their kids had um, immune issues. So three parents took to a federal court there and said that the mask mandates should remain. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this was an Obama, you know, a, a appointed judge. Remember, Judge uh, Wendy Beetlestone. And she sided with those three kids, three families and said, yes, everyone, hundreds and hundreds of kids must still wear a mask because of three kids who have some kind of compromised immunity issues. Mm-hmm. And the school went nuts and the parents went nuts. U- ultimately, this was in the courts. So to me, this is not in a vacuum. This is a school district. They've been through it. They've been through you know what, and they're exhausted from it. And these kids have witnessed this and how ridiculous all of this has has become Mm -hmm. with these ridiculous mandates. Yeah, and it's it's great that you bring up the three kids in masks because or the three kids with compromised issues because this goes to the bathroom policy. This goes to the transgender sports discussion. We are at a point now where teachers unions, school districts, the left, the mainstream media, they're all placating to such a select, small, niche minority Mm -hmm. community. I mean, I gave you the poll a week or two ago, 70% in the latest Gallup poll with the Washington Post and NBC, 70% of Americans do not think transgender athletes should be able to compete against females. I've got to imagine that 70% is much more like 85, 90% when we talk about, forget sports for a moment, just a biological male who is going through this breakdown, going into a female bathroom. So this is not really, it's become political, but... Girls don't want boys in their bathroom. And by the way, most boys that are not going through a transgender breakdown also say, you know what, dude, you shouldn't be in the bathroom with a female. Now, see, And of course, I think most girls probably say it more politely or suppress their feelings or won't speak about it publicly, will share it with their parents or a counselor, whereas, you know, and Greg and I were both boys when we were 14, 15, 16, 17. Like, if this was a thing Mm -hmm. in 1999 when I was 15, I probably would have said a lot of things that I can't say on the radio (laughs) about a boy thinking he's a girl going into the girl's bathroom because that's what guys do when they're 16. They say a lot of hurtful, ridiculous, macho things because we're all goofball, meathead idiots. But the reality is this is almost a universal belief that this is wrong. Yet that small little sliver that fights for it, they try to make it sound like they're the majority when they are the vocal minority. And then we placate and pander and cater to that vocal minority. And, you know, like the Meg Brocks of the world get labeled the right wing extremist. Like, Mm -hmm. no, she doesn't want a dude in a girl's bathroom. If that makes you an extremist, then, okay, paint me with that brush, buddy. Go right ahead. And and to your point, it's it's yes, it's this issue with the bathrooms. But it's a continuing pattern. And I'll quote Vivek Ramaswamy, who, you know, we've had here locally and who's running for obviously for POTUS. But Vivek Ramaswamy says it's the tyranny of the minority. And I would say that pattern goes back to those mask mandates that we saw and that this very district was dealing with and kids were doing walkouts then. So mm-hmm. whether it's the bathroom policy, the mask mandates, 
it, it's really not about the trans issue right. as much as it is overall the tyranny of the minority, which is a great line. Yep. To say for three kids, you all, all you kids, and it was actually probably at that point the entire district, thousands of kids had to wear a mask, mm-hmm. and we saw the impact of that. You know, my feel, my sense is that somebody in the community who who called in these bomb threats or emailed them in is perhaps somebody that's not even a student or necessarily directly involved with the district. Yep. But is, it, but is somebody who has suffered throughout the pandemic, has mental health issues, and this is unfortunate. Truly unfortunate. It's that this has now occurred. Yeah. You know, it's, it's I just hope remarkable. find the person. Yeah, I do too. You know, um, and whether no matter who it was or it's what the horrible. agenda was and whatever side yeah. you know that person truly was on, um, it's just remarkable too. Everything that the left panders and caters to with their with their campaigning, uh, they make it out to be the major the majority, but in reality, it's the minority. The left always plays the race card. The reality is, most people are not racist. The left right now is saying, oh, no, no, the, the Democrats and Biden, oh, the economy's okay. No, no, most people say the economy is not okay. Well, I mean, there's trans transgender individuals are under attack. Look up, add up all the people that f- supposedly fall in the transgender community. Show me where they're under attack. Yeah, and, and to your point, both sides are getting played by partisan politics and fundraising right now because two things can be true. So we can protect somebody who identifies as trans or is going through something private. Yep. So so we can create bathrooms that are private, but we can also protect girls and young women in locker rooms. Two things can be true. It's not that you're anti or phobic. Let's just stop with this and and be sane. Yep. And and solve it. There's an easy pathway to solve it. It's not. It's it's such a common sense issue. Yes. That like this is not really a gray area. It, it's it's legitimately common sense. It's biology. It's science. Yet the left picks and chooses selectively when they want to adhere to the science. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten is the phone number. Uh, next segment could be history. I agree with AOC and Hillary Clinton. Uh oh. I this this might have to make like a clip later today on the show on social media. Uh, we'll get to that when we come back. But. You know, we're getting to that point. You know, you've got the rain, the 65, 70 degree days are going to start going away. It'll be in the 50s, fall football weather. And before you know it, the winter's going to be here. And uh, we'll get snow, we'll get ice, we'll get rough weather. And you're probably going to want a safe, durable, strong vehicle. Maybe you're in the market for a truck and you're saying, you know what, I'm sick of the cold Philadelphia winters with the snow and the ice. It's time for a truck. Yeah, I agree. The 2023 Honda Ridgeline from Piazza Honda of Springfield. I've been in it since a few days before Memorial Day. Uh, and if you're a truck person like me, but you don't want a $90 fill-up at the tank, and you don't need an 8-cylinder, 5.6-liter Hemi, the Honda Ridgeline is a tremendous value. Even at $399 a gallon, I just filled it up yesterday, it was bone dry, $67. Not bad, right? Piazza Honda in Springfield, Philadelphia, Langhorne, Pottstown, or Reading to take advantage of 0.9% APR. Or if you're not in the market for a truck, that's all right. You're not going to hurt my feelings. You won't hurt Piazza or Honda's feelings either because they've got all sorts of award-winning models, including the Civic, the award-winning Accord, the CRV, the Pilot SUV, reshaped, remodeled. Absolutely love that look. The Piazza Auto Group, now with 17 brands, 35 locations. It's my go-to for all things automotive. In fact, I'm going to go over to get an oil change on Thursday at 11 o'clock. To find your new or certified pre-owned vehicle today, just check them out online, piazzaautogroup.com. It's Kale & Company On Demand. 
from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Kutchy in 13 minutes, still ahead this morning. Howard Stern and Bill Maher have made up. They've kissed. Everything's good. Apologies have been accepted. Adam Carolla, though, says he's banned from the Stern show because of his views on COVID. Yeah. Get to that story in a little bit. And also, Hillary and AOC coming up here in just a moment. Front page of the New York Post today. Gotta love this. Uh, with uh, the Bob Menendez story, which we talked a little bit about uh, in the second half of the 6 o'clock hour. If you missed the 6 o'clock hour, a lot of stuff on Biden and the border as well as Goldbar Bob. Um, but the New York Post uh, with the headline, Senator comically claims he hid cash because of Cuban history. He was born in New York. Havana laugh. And, of course, there's a big picture of Bob with a goofy look on his face and all sorts of cash. Um, and I also love the Babylon Bee, where they always put out these parody stories. Uh, and then the newest headline, the newest story from the Babylon Bee is, Biden condemns Menendez for taking bribes in gold rather than fungible assets laundered by 20 different shell companies. <laughs> I'm telling you what. I mean, the, the, the Menendez... Um, debacle and then his claims his alibi his defense what he said yesterday really makes the biden scheme seem like this elaborate (laughs) well thought out like oh my god you can never connect any of the dots nobody will ever pick up on this we're receiving all sorts of odds and ends and goods and hey i'm just going to create 20 shell companies and give a little bit to this family member a little to that family member and then all of a sudden it's like, what? This is what we do. We're the Biden family. There's nothing wrong here. We've we've earned that third beach house after our career in, uh, as a civil servant and uh, my wife working uh, in the education world, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah, I don't know if it was actually, was it, was, do we think that Hunter Biden allegedly was the mastermind or was it sort of the brilliant gen- geniuses who were using Using him and setting all this stuff up and just I probably money geniuses that were setting right? this up. I mean, how could it be Hunter Biden as the mastermind? The guy forgot the laptop. He never <laughs> went back and got it. Scattering documents, you know, crack pipes. I mean, laptops with all sorts of, um, you know, interesting activities. So very interesting when you kind of tie the two together. 855-839-1210 is the number. Also, by the way, I was getting tweets about this last night, and we'll get to the Hillary and AOC stuff in a moment. Um, apparently, on the on the Kelsey front, which, by the way, is there's a great meme going around social media today with Jason Kelsey standing next to DeAndre Swift, and the headline is, the only Kelsey and Swift that Philadelphia cares about are these two, <laughs> not Travis and Taylor uh, dominating the headlines in Kansas City. Uh, but there's also this picture, and I didn't even realize this. And I was doing sports at the time during, you know, the Kaepernick protests with the national anthem and the NFL uh, at the beginning of the Trump administration. And I didn't realize that Travis Kelsey was also one of the uh, buffoons that took a knee during the national anthem. There's a picture circulating back from, uh, I think it was week two of 2017, where Travis Kelsey is taking a knee. So if you think about it, Really, there's now six years of evidence to prove that uh, he is very much on that side of the camp. Kneels for the national anthem, Bud Light endorsement, Pfizer marketing campaign, Taylor Swift. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He'll be doing a podcast shortly with Dylan Mulvaney and using pronouns. Uh, Travis Kelsey certainly on that side of the spectrum, which I think um, 
could be very much the opposite of his brother. Although his brother, Jason, really, my guess is, my hunch is, he's not on that side. But Jason Kelsey's smart if he is. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jason Kelsey, he doesn't talk about it. He doesn't bring it up, which I think is a great approach if you're an athlete. Just stay out of it because yeah. you're going to alienate your fan base. Yeah, and as well, I think he, it seems like if his brother, his younger brother, it's his little brother. So yeah, his I, little, think, I think right? Travis is like a few years yeah. younger. So it's his little brother who looks up to the big brother. But I think it's an example of it It looks like the younger brother is a way, way more left than big brother. Mm-hmm. But it's an example of we think about how many families won't talk to each other. And I think these are close brothers who are not letting politics come in between them. Yeah. And I think that's, to me, that's the message I take from it. Good for them. Yeah. Too, and- ma- too many, I mean, I don't know about your family, but I, I have family members who, I mean, they don't talk to each other anymore. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's so sad. Well, Nothing is Cri- worth on that. On Kristen's side of the family, it's always been that breakdown. It's it's her parents and her brothers that were always very left, yet the rest of my in-law's family, especially on the mom's side, they're all Republican. They're all they've they've all been conservative their whole life. Like my my wife Kristen at the time, so her mom is one of six, and she's she's the only Democrat. The other five are all Republicans. And then of course there comes the crazy uncle I've always told you about, who's he's part Alex Jones, part Bernie Sanders. So he riles up both sides and has uh, viewpoints that he agrees with on the left and the right, but typically is more left. Uh, but he you know he's got some thoughts where like man. Like, okay, so you are like a Trump guy. And he's like, yeah, in some regards, but in other regards, you know, he's kind of got that balance going on where it's extreme left, extreme right. And I don't know where he eventually lands somewhere in the middle, I guess. But uh, he's always been the kind of guy that stirs the pot at Thanksgiving. And then it's just like, I'm like, dude, I'm, this is like a couple of years ago. I'm like, I'm trying to watch the Eagles Cowboys. Now, now I got the mother-in-law chirping and I, and I got to go get more pumpkin pie. Just, can you just shut the hell up, please? I, not today, please. So uh, very interesting. 855-839-1210. Cut sheet coming up in about seven or eight minutes. I never thought I would actually arrive at this point, but. I'm going to actually agree with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Hillary Clinton. Wow. We just had 13 cars go off the Schuylkill yeah. a, a second ago. Yeah. But I'll explain. I'll explain. So AOC is contradicting Biden, saying that we are we don't have a crisis at the border. We have an economy crisis during the union worker speech. Uh, everybody, obviously, with the union worker strike and everything that's going on in the automotive industry, you know, politicians starting to line up on both sides, you know, get involved with this because, you know, 150,000 individuals certainly affected by this. Uh, she said the U.S. economy, AOC, that is, is in a crisis on Sunday, which completely contradicts President Biden on a core pillar of his reelection campaign. She says, quote, our economy is in a special kind of crisis. Our whole economy is in a special kind of crisis. The progressive lawmaker said at a union rally in Wentzville, Missouri, on Sunday, quote, now, if you ask a Washington insider or a Wall Street analyst, they will tell you, I don't know what you're talking about. They'll say, look at the GDP, look at the growth rate. They'll say, look at job numbers. How are we in a crisis? Which I, I feel like, now I don't necessarily agree with her stance on what Washington insiders or Wall Street people will tell you about. Because I was in my gym yesterday in my apartment, and the gym always seems to have CNBC on. And they were talking about the wall of worry with all the financial stuff out there. You know, the interest rates being hiked up by the Fed, some of the stuff that you talk about, Dawn. But it's interesting that AOC 
and a squad dem who I feel like a lot of the progressives are certainly the ones calling the shots and have hijacked the Democrat Party and you know really are the ones pushing the Biden messaging and administration. It's an interesting dichotomy and a, a little difference here because Joe will try to tell you Bidenomics is working. Kamala will say it and then follow it up with a giggle and an uncomfortable laugh. And Corrine Jean-Pierre is out there every day at the podium saying we're seeing these numbers, uh, unemployment rates, interest, uh, inflation is cooling, as they like to say, like the temperature in the fall. But yet here's AOC saying, no, the economy is garbage. So um, it's really interesting right now just the way not only the media not only the way other Democrats, but even squad Dems come in complete opposition to everything that Joe is touting. I said yesterday that tide is turning. There's no doubt. Biden. And you can see it. It slowly started with the media. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're really playing up the poll numbers and yep. this, that and the other. And when these poll numbers have been around for a while, now all of a sudden they're really touting. Then you have uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi and people like that going on TV, not... Uh, saying whether they think Kamala Harris should be the VP or not. You have uh, members of the Democratic Party uh, coming out and, and, you know, challenging Joe Biden, mm-hmm. uh, primarying him and and talking about his age and all of this stuff. So it's really interesting to see the way the tide is turning. And it started it started with the media and mm-hmm. everybody else kind of fell in lockstep after that. Yeah, this this started to really pick up some steam I think towards the end of the summer as we went into Labor Day break and here we are and you look at it, you know, oh, it's early, it's early, still a long way to go. Well, it's uh it's getting late early as they like to say in a sports game when you're losing and the clock's starting to tick. We're only 13 months away from the election. We're a handful of days away from October 2023. Yeah. And you just I don't know who's in Biden's corner right now from a party standpoint, well, from a squad standpoint, from a point of discussion right now. Here's the thing, though. If if they smell that there might there's there's a slim possibility that he might not be the the candidate, like if he drops out. So they're they see blood in the water. So they're circling. If if there's no chance that he like he's going to be the nominee, they will all rally behind him. There's mm-hmm. no question in my mind. Yep. Yeah, they're very good at that. So hit the pa- the panic button, sound the alarm. But then at the end of the day, if it's him, it's a complete another 180 pivot right back to him, supporting him and rallying around him, which is very interesting because right now. Everybody, and I say everybody, an overwhelming majority, people 65, 70, 75%, 80% that say, yep, economy is an issue for Joe. Yep, his age, his cognitive decline is an issue. Yep, the border is an issue. Yes, these impeachment inquiries are not a good look. Yes, Hunter has a stain on the Biden family. We gave you the story yesterday about Joe's exit strategy on how he should pardon his son and drop out of the race. They all pick up on the same talking points. But it's almost unanimous with the four biggest looming issues, economy, age, border, and corruption with impeachment. And it's it's three out of every four people, generally speaking, that are like, dude, this is we've got to abandon ship here. This is a lost cause until it's not to your point, Greg, and they will completely rally around, yep. him, which they Absolutely. always do. And Don, you always talk about it. A major difference between the Dems and the Republicans when it comes to rallying behind somebody. Yep. So. Yeah, they will. I mean, so, I mean, we're looking at <clears throat> because of the South Carolina issue, because Biden and the Democrats wanted 
alter the South Carolina primary and move it sooner. And and now we have that that's that's changing the game for everybody because of course it's in the Constitution of you know so now Iowa looks different. Obviously, New Hampshire wants to go. What is it, January fifteenth? And we've talked about that. So. Before we get into primary season, I think ultimately by March, and our primary in Pennsylvania looks to be March 19th, mm-hmm. I would say by March, they have to have this set in stone. But, uh, you know, and, and hopefully by January, maybe they feel like they don't want Biden to be embarrassed by the spring. Mm-hmm. But I think by March, if Biden's still in it, he's he's got to stay in it. Yeah, right? I, w- I would I mean, agree. And and then, of course, yesterday, speaking of Biden and staying in it, Hillary Clinton, apparently, uh, this is a story from the Daily Mail, Hillary has warned Joe Biden in a private meeting that third-party candidates could prove disastrous for him, and a White House insider calls the situation pretty bleeping concerning. Wow. Yes. And as you know, Hillary certainly, to some extent, was affected by a third party with the Green Party nominee back in 2016 was that it was a Jill, um, uh, Jill Stein. Stein. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, she knows firsthand. And if this is true and she's, uh, you know, pulled Joe well, aside from his 12 to four work schedule and, you know, whispered in his ear. The scary thing, and I don't exactly know how this would happen or if it could, because I'm getting conflicting reports on it. But there's there's a lot of news stories, mainstream media news stories being written about RFK and the Libertarian, libertarian Party. I saw that. And I, I don't because I thought we've I thought that once you declare because we had this conversation before, because I I said, if anybody's going to be a third party spoiler, it's going to be him. And mm-hmm. by the way, not just for Biden. Yeah. For for Trump as right. well. We'll siphon off from both sides. Um, but I think that um, I think so. I don't know how I don't know how it would happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if there is a chance, if if he can, uh, you know, become a libertarian and run in the Libertarian Party, mm-hmm. that's that's a that's a huge spoiler. It really a is huge spoiler. And here's the numerical impact of that third party. Should that happen, or if it could happen, uh, as we know in the ABC News Washington Post poll, Trump has a ten point lead uh, over Biden, fifty two percent to forty two percent. NBC News National Poll has better news for Biden, sort of. They're tied at 46%. But when third-party options are included, Biden loses to Trump 39% to 36%. So to Hillary's point and her warning and her threat, um, these third parties, uh, according to this poll, it would be a plus-three advantage for Donald J. Trump. So we'll see how that works out. And looking at, so I've just looked up the odds because I always want to see gambling. They still say the, the odds makers for the most part, the sports books. Biden. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's probably minus 130, 140, I would guess still. Um, also, and you mentioned RFK as a libertarian. In that scenario, a libertarian candidate would take 5% of the electorate. A no labels candidate would siphon away 5%. And a Green Party candidate would get the support of 4% this nbc news poll found so um ipso facto on the youtube chat says i think rfk jr would siphon more votes from biden than trump though. i i do agree with that yeah um yeah. but he's still gonna get some on both it says that uh, rfk jr has now jumped florida governor ron DeSantis. oh boy on the most presidential odds boards <laughs> on most presidential odds oh, boards oh boy so he's so that that one is uh, you know that's fascinating to me. I always like to look at the you know because this is these are the bookies or whatever, right? Yep. The gambling, 
you know, these people are putting actual their money down. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of yeah. I like to look at these. Boy, when Ron's getting passed by RFK, yeah. I just got to show. We might have to pour out a little mustard for our boy <laughs> in Florida. A lot of good looking RFKs past you, buddy. That mustard is uh-huh. like so funny. Can't believe Kale bailed on Ron. <laughs> you see why? Mustard. Yeah. All right, seven forty-six. It's a Tuesday morning. Let's get to what's on the cut sheet. What's on the cut sheet? So what's on the cut sheet on this? Guys, I want to start with cut seven here uh, first. So Trump was speaking yesterday in South Carolina. Fox News carried most of it live, most of it live, until he started trashing the network. And then this happened. This is cut seven, Daniel. We're going up, and we're the only ones going up. They're going down. They're going down, down, down. They ought to mm-hmm. stop wasting their time. You know, they're wasting a lot of time on these ridiculous debates that nobody's watching. <laughs> Their last debate was the lowest-rated debate in history. That's a good compliment, isn't it? Now, what was I doing, Marjorie? I was someplace else, wasn't I, huh? I was doing another interview. We had 271 million people listening to the Tucker Carlson interview. That's an all-time record. So here we are. Bail out, bail out, Martha, Martha, bail out. Just four months away from the. You can see the producers cut out, cut it, cut it. I'm surprised they didn't dump it. I believe that's Martha McCallum there. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, you know somebody's like, all right, we're gonna get out, get ready to talk. It's amazing. Um, Well, you think about it. It's it's twofold. It's the fact that Trump drew more viewers uh, on social media, and you know, so to speak, because those numbers are a little bit skewed. You scroll past it; it counts as a view, whatever. um, Than all of the other GOP guys that were on Fox, but it's also like, oh my God, the guy that we fired is really creating a lot of headlines. And meanwhile, we're we're trotting out uh, Brett Bear and uh, whoever else did that, and uh, they don't really resonate with a lot of people it's just amazing mm-hmm. it's it amazing to me but you know what they, it is it's super we, petty is it not and i'm going to bring up an example i had 10 years ago to 11 years ago we when i was doing sports at the other station and we would have we would carry both sports stations in town on uh monday or tuesday the day after an eagles game yeah would always carry the andy reed day mm-hmm. after press conference and Howard Eskin is the king of when it comes to covering the Eagles. He's been that way for 35, 40 years. And my old boss, and I'll never forget this, I swear to God, I was producing for Tony Bruno. Who works, by the way, now for Odyssey. In That's San correct. Yeah. yeah, and I love the guy. But yeah. he would get real petty and get like in, in, in panic over stuff. I'm like, dude, stop. Um, he, I was producing for Tony, uh, Tony Bruno and Harry Mays. And he, come, he would call the studios. I'm behind the board like Greg is now. Or he'd be in the studio, and he'd be, like, micromanaging. And Howard Eskin, which when, when Howard had his afternoon show down the hall on WIP, would ask a question to Andy Reid, and he would tell us to dump it. Oh, God. And I'm like, what do you mean, dump it? He goes, <laughs> it's the competition. Oh, I'm like, who cares? Yeah. Everybody knows who Howard Eskin is. Yeah. It's true. Like, just get over it. <laughs> and, and, and like he would be mad at me for like like being feisty with it. And I'm like, you're just you're being petty. That's what they did here with Tucker. It's yeah, yes, exactly. And and it's just I look to be honest with you. If I'm if I'm a Fox News executive, like if I'm programming that station or that channel, and they're and they're trashing Fox and Tucker Car or and he's praising Tucker, I'm like, stay with us. Yeah, stay with it. It's way more interesting. Right. No offense to Martha McCallum, it's way more interesting than anything she has to say. Yeah. Do you think people are actually going to leave because he's no, bringing up Tucker? Of course no. not. It might perk your ears up even more. Yeah. Exactly. I don't get it. 
Uh, no, but my yeah. perception in the control room is yeah. <clears throat> those producers in the control room are nervous about what their top managers will Agreed. perceive. Oh, yeah. Agreed. I was so always pers- nervous, nervous right? as a producer. So, because, and that's what that is, is like a CYA. Oh, they said Tucker Carlson and Upper, you know, the uh, Lachlan might be listening. Get abort, mad at me. Abort, abort. Right. And so Lachlan might go, fine, it's good rate, good for ratings. Let him say what he's going to say. It's, a, it's newsworthy. But I think that's a sort of a, you know, a producer down there going, I don't want any piece of this. Mm-hmm. By the way, did we discuss, because there was an article written, I think it was last week, about, you know, how Lachlan is going to take, Lachlan Murdoch will yeah. take full control over Fox News. Yeah. And and the headline of it, Lachlan Murdoch will take full control over Fox News, will it change? Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about that? Do you guys think that he's going to just continue with the model that works, or do you think he's going to slowly put in? Because, I mean, I don't know... I don't know him, but the word is is that he's he's not like the old man. Yes, I, I meaning politically, not as far right. No. Yeah, I I think the model won't change. I think you're going to start to see a little bit of a shift more cent- center to some some extent. Do you? Not to a point where it's very noticeable to the casual observer. Well, I mean, they because kinda... they're crushing CNN and MSNBC again. I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. They, yeah. they uh, um, the they're already they already kind of did that by getting rid of Tucker, didn't they? Yeah, well, Jesse, yeah. I, yeah, I guess it's not. But Jesse, he, does, it's he doesn't go down the conspiracy he, rabbit hole as much as Tucker does. He's, he, I think he's, I think Jesse Waters is a little more advertiser friendly, but he's different. He's snarky. He's yeah. not a deep dive. I don't think he's as super bright as Tucker is, um, <laughs> or tries to at least portray that like yeah. smart guy in the room thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would also say this too. You know, yesterday, in the course of four hours, we were labeled edgy, too right-wing, and too mainstream. Sure. So, it's like, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. Like, it's amazing people hear what they want to hear and label you accordingly. Agreed. Yeah, I think that <clears throat> Tucker Carlson, some of those comments that he made, he's really blunt. And some of the comments that he made about some of the upper management, and particularly women, in, maybe out of context, whatever... But I think that ultimately there were <clears throat> thin-skinned upper management individuals who did not like what Tucker said. But, but ultimately that was not the issue. The issue is that the media in general, companies right now, are going through a massive change because we don't have the big three. Like the big three automakers, mm. we used to have the big three, CBS, NBC, ABC. Right. And and then we had four with Fox and now we have like a, a thousand gil- gazillion because we have authentic podcasts and informate Joe Rogan and all of those uh, factors in a time of technological uh, creation that we see. So Fox right now, all of these deals and media deals are, are going through. And I really believe at the end of the day, truthfully, that it has nothing to do with all of the stuff that we talk about. I think it's business. I think it's money. And I think Tucker made so much money mm-hmm. at a time when, yes, they were going through that lawsuit, but as well, they're looking at selling off. Yep. And that was a huge chunk of cash that they could unload as well as perhaps yep. somebody who might be perceived as a headache. And also to your point about with Lachlan Murdoch and the family, Kara Swisher on that note predicts a short reign for Lachlan Murdoch. She believes that eventually Elon Musk 
will purchase Fox News, which I don't see happening. If he if he lost, I do. do you really? I do. He lost twenty two billion purchasing Twitter. Yeah, he doesn't care. I know he doesn't. He's so rich. That's like pocket chump change. That's like how, that's like twenty bucks losing to Greg and the last night, or you guys yeah. call it a wash, whatever. But see, like he values free speech, which mm-hmm. we've pretty much established. Although he banned Tony Bruno, uh, Tony Bruno, mm. um, he didn't. Personal. No, I know, but there's still people that get censored on Twitter. I, I, I think he values that type of stuff. But as we know, he he voted for Biden. He's not a Trump guy. He's not. into Greg has said this. He's not as right as many people think. I don't know that he would want to acquire Fox News. Oh, I think he would. Oh, yeah, I think he the, totally would. The problem, the problem mm. with that though is, is I don't know if the Murdochs would sell Fox News itself because if you look at the whole News Corp Corp brand, I'm sure that um, Fox News uh, pays dividends for them. And when you have a cash cow like that, it brings up all of your other entities that might be losing money or breaking even with or whatever. You know what I mean? So as a whole, News Corp is strong. And I think a lot of that is because of Fox News. So you don't think that the Murdochs will eventually be 100% away from it? Well, so... It's kind of like the McMahons if, with WWE. I mean, this this whole thing played out in the uh, in uh, in the HBO series Succession, if you yes. guys watched it. Okay. Which, yes. which maybe is why this is kind of uh, <laughs> coming back to me. But... If if he what if the Murdochs think that the Fox News brand is quote unquote toxic, then yes, they they might want to dump it, um, and Elon Musk would probably pay a hefty uh, amount of money for mm. it. But I just don't know if it makes business sense because I think it's probably the most profitable thing. See, I that could News see, Corp does and has. I could see the Murdochs offloading the New York Post before I could Fox News. Papers are a dying industry. Yeah. They've been dead for 20 years. It's all digital and social media now. Any New York Post story we talk about with politics or social issues or cultural issues on this show comes from digital. Yeah. But remember, Fox, so so remember that, that Rupert Murdoch split things up. So now you have Fox News. That's a separate entity entity from Fox Business, yep. which competes with CNBC. So those are separate. So So I'm just looking at this. What could they sell? So they so the reason he separated that out and that was year that was like 10 years ago at this point, right? The reason he separated those out, one of the reasons is because it allows them to create separate entities that they could then sell off. And so who was it? So they Fox um 21st Century Fox, they had the sale to Disney. That was just a what 20 that was during the pandemic. Okay. So remember that they've begun this and now they're looking at, okay, what can we sell off? Because then they have the Fox, the subscription, right? With all the, it's like a video podcast, essentially. Mm-hmm. So you've got that going on. I really think to the, to the dad, the dad loves, he, he's like me. He lives and breathes news, mm-hmm. he, right? He created this. He loves it. The sons don't love it. No. The sons are what is Lachlan fifty two? Yeah, yeah. And he, this is probably such a headache to him. It definitely is, right? It definitely is. So, to me, Lachlan, he, he would love to get rid of the headache and just be a business owner, and then let business people run his business mm-hmm. and live in his biggity big mansions mm-hmm. and travel the world. He lives a very lavish, beautiful life because and and. 
that as that thinking as well when you have younger you know he's relatively young at 52 right so when you have younger mindset around there like you have to think of like the, we've said this all the time cable news needs to reinvent itself or oh, it's yeah. going to go extinct yes so you you have to think that these guys are looking at cable news and being like yeah let's kind of ride this until we can anymore and then the advertisers are going to dry up the audience is going to die off and you know yeah. the next like is the next generation going to be as passionate about fox news as their parents were and i think the answer is no i well i agree because i think a lot of youth uh, the youths of today are, are gen z but let me play devil's advocate for a moment uh, Fox News, you know, short of Newsmax or OAN, which really I know a lot of people are starting to like the numbers show people don't watch those two channels. Nope. Fox News is not going to be at a point where that corner of the political spectrum is oversaturated. Mainstream media, left wing news media does not sell. And it's also oversaturated at like an eight to one ratio. Like M- we say this all the time. MSNBC plays that card better than CNN does. And that's why CNN's getting boat raced. That's why a lot of these papers like the Washington Post, the New York Times, they can't sell subscriptions. They can't make them cheap enough. There's just not enough demand, yet there's too much supply for left wing, which is why I think some of them are going to go by the wayside. Fox is really the big dog in a lesser crowded space, so to speak. Yeah. Um. Yeah, look, I, I just think that, you know, if they, you know, you talk about the New York Post, yes, the New York Post itself, the physical newspaper of the New York Post might be dying off. Mm-hmm. But the assets that you have for the New York Post, as far as digital goes, as far as reporters go, as far as sports reporters, beat reporters, uh, whoever writes those those amazing headlines, those those are all assets. Yep. So will, will the New York Post uh, survive? Yes, but maybe not the quote-unquote print edition. Right, that's correct. And I think the same thing is going to happen with Fox News is that it just it needs to it needs to reinvent itself because mm-hmm. this whole concept of uh, one hour show and here's my monologue and here's a guest and here's yeah. another guest and here's another and it's just like that formula mm-hmm. I think everybody's doing it and it's so saturated yeah. that th- that that needs to reinvent itself as well. That's a good point. And to your point, you read the New York Post how. Courtesy of Digitally. your iPad, yeah. yeah, you you hold it up but, to the camera sometimes. But I do that. I do that on, like, I read the actual print edition on the weekend mm-hmm. because I know. Well, I like to see what is in the print edition. I don't physically get a copy of it, but okay. I have the print edition. I do the same with the New York Times, Washington Post, because okay. I just like to see what's what's you know what's in the actual physical sure. paper. Sure. Because there are people that still like newspapers. Yes. I do too. Yeah, I will say, you know, and I know it's not official until November that Lachlan officially takes over and dad, who's 92, who's legendary, right? This is his empire. Um, speaking of succession, it takes a, that happens in November. But I will say the new move of Lawrence Jones, they now look like an old show that I know was remade with Claire Danes Mod Squad, if you yeah. count the captain. Okay. Yep, yep. So I do think that we will see a more modern look. As far as sometimes Fox News, and I love Fox News. I think it's an amazing product. I worked for Fox for nearly a decade. But every program, when they have a new hire who's the up and coming, and she looks like Skipper to Malibu Barbie, they all fit a prototype, like Mm -hmm. a Grace Kelly blonde, that Hollywood, old school Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I think that's what daddy liked. (laughs) 
I think the sons do like to say, let's look more like the world and like America. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that Lauren, and I'm a fan of Lawrence Jones anyway. We had him on the show back in the fall. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm, I've always been a huge fan, Texas, general, Southern gentleman. I mean, yep. So I love the, some of the additions they've made because I think to a lot of, a lot of people who don't look like that, it's like, come on, you hired another one. That's, it, it's like, how many, um, Fabulous blue-eyed, beautiful blondes that look exactly like. Right. Can you hire? And by the way, they're all brilliant, with the exception of Harris Faulkner and Emily Cantagna. I mean, we can name the three brunettes that have major shows. Right. I do think that the Suns will want to look more like the world. And remember, they're Australian. I wouldn't be surprised if they want to be like a BBC. They want to be more international. All right. So don't we've established that Dawn is sick of the uh, the blonde haired white no, female? No, I'm not this. sick of that. I'm not. I'm not saying that at all because I love like Ainsley. I love her. I love love. I follow her. Oh, I, the fact that you guys are on such first name basis I know, with these people. And Who I cares? do. I'm that person. Like, <laughs> so I Dawn wants to get rid of Ainsley. No, God, Dana, no. I love her. I am her biggest Martha, fan. But no, I love Martha. Samantha. Martha and I had kids at the same time. She has a son at Notre Dame in football. Like, <laughs> so please don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that if you're from Australia and you're looking at this from a worldview, because they're not Americans, they're Australian. Mm-hmm. And, and so they come from a... A completely different uh, viewpoint. I'm yeah. just saying. You, you do. You guys do realize that, like Fox News gets maybe two to three million people a day watching them. That's nationally. So you break that down to Philadelphia. How much? How many people it's are still not even forty percent of this city? There's probably a majority of people who are listening right now who, who have no idea who you're talking about. What's the pop- population of Philly? Is over six pa- million. If you've people. never heard of Ainsley. I'm telling you, Earhart or if you Fox just, News, if you please just let do me know. statistically, okay. if you just do statistically, two million, three million people watch Fox News on nationally. Break that out into Philadelphia. How many people do you think possibly watch that in this city? Fifty thousand people, maybe. If two million people are watching maybe. nationally, maybe, maybe, maybe. So also, do, also so do the mind, numbers there. Keep in mind too, Philadelphia very blue, so. Exactly. You know, I don't know that Philly well, we're on, not, a, on a per person basis is. Consu- I don't know that Philly consumes Fox News the all, way Tuscaloosa, Alabama does. All we're s- on the Odyssey app. All okay, I'm saying, so yeah, all I'm saying is, is that you guys naming all of these people. There's probably a majority of people that are listening right now, and I'm not talking about the ones on the YouTube chat. I'm not talking about the ones who call in and tweet and everything like that. I'm talking about normal, average, everyday listeners that don't know who the hell you're talking yeah. about. That's all I'm saying. By the way, Philadelphia only has a population of 1.6 million. Yeah. But that's what Philadelphia proper. proper. Pro- yeah. oh, okay. So our entire viewing area okay, obviously yeah. re- is, has a firm. Because I know we're, what are we, on market seven or eight in the country from like a TV radio standpoint? From a TV standpoint, we're, in television, we're, we're fourth. Fourth, okay. Radio's a little lower. I think radio's seventh it's or eighth. Different. Yeah. And now with all the apps, it's different. Right. Uh, we talked a lot about uh, that Washington Post um uh, ABC News poll yesterday that just just was not good for the Biden administration. Joe mm-hmm. Scarborough uh, wanted to calm Democrats' fears, <laughs> and he ridiculed people for freaking out about the Biden 2024 poll. Um, this is what he said. This is cut 12. Remember after Iowa? Yeah. He was dead. Remember after New Hampshire? Mm-hmm. Mocked, ridiculed, dead. After Nevada, there's no way he can come back. He went South Carolina and wins the nomination. 
We heard the same thing. He's too old. He's living in his basement. He stopped up. He can't get out of his basement. He's going to lose. And then election night. Oh, well, Trump's going to win this state and that state. Now things wrong. And then progressives, as well as Trumpers, wrong for two years about bipartisan. I'm just telling you. Maybe these polls are right. Well, they're not right. It's not nine po- nine points. Morning Joe uh, betting uh, uh, syndicate will take all of your bets right now. Like if you if you want to take the plus nine on Joe Biden, yeah, no, Biden's not going to lose by nine points. This is a close race, and there are warning signs there. I will say though, I'm a little tired of it. I'm a little tired of three years hearing about how Joe Biden's going to get crushed. He's going to get crushed in 2020. He and the Democrats are going to get crushed in 2022. There's going to be a red wave. There's no way he can pass bipartisan legislation. He passes more than anybody this exactly. century. And it just keeps going on and well, there's, on. There's a- He's not wrong. Well, no. And you, you made uh, reference to this yesterday where, yes, this, this poll is very interesting. But keep in mind, it's one poll. Keep in mind uh, the the motto of, you know, we take polls with a grain of salt, but it's interesting to see both sides with their hysteria. The left, a select group, as he mentioned in that clip, the progressives, panicking about Joe's in trouble. He's down double digits. And then you have some on the right that are like, whoa, 52-42. Yeah, take that, Biden. You're going down. Again, it's it's one poll. And you made reference to that yesterday, Greg. It's like... You know, this could be well, simply an outlier. Well, they were, um, there were, I mean, look, there were hosts on this radio station, you know, like uh, the, that after, that gave Biden absolutely no chance in 2020. Mm-hmm. After Iowa and then South Carolina, he basically ran the table, mm-hmm. uh, you know, after after that, uh, he won that primary. Um, so, yes, it there is a, there is this big... Uh, thing to kind of count Joe Biden out. And, you know, I don't know if it's the smartest uh, political strategy. I actually just, for the first time, I actually like the fact that uh, Morning Joe made a, a sports betting reference with the syndicate there. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm going to call uh, I'm gonna call South Philly back alley Nunzio. Yeah, give me a 10 dimes on Biden plus nine. 10 dimes. Look at that. Yeah. Um, it's amazing to me. I used to, Larry and I used to love that show. And Joe Scarborough used to be a Republican. He was a Florida congressman. Yep. And it's amazing to see just how he's changed. I, I say people never change. Mm-hmm. Mika, longtime Democrat, everybody knows who her famous father is, but Mika, who I worked with at CBS, I mean, she has stayed the same. She's the same. It's Joe that has, I mean, talk about a neutered male. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I mean, he just sold out. Yep. Kind of like Howard Stern in some regards. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. So I saw this clip on the internet yesterday, and it put me down a rabbit hole because I was I don't know where the clip is from I don't know who this person is that it's reporting this but the all the information that comes out about it is 100% true okay have you guys heard of the C40 cities initiative maybe I'm a little late to the party on this maybe people call me out but no I I I've, is this with the uh, climate change is this it, the climate yeah. change yeah. Stuff? yeah so 14 US cities commit to sustainable food policies aiming to ban meat mm-hmm. okay. and philadelphia is one of them yeah mm-hmm. yeah good luck with that uh this is <laughs> this is the news report that i found yesterday I, again i have no idea who this is or where this is from but all the info and all the um the statistics that he's pointing out are true this is cut one rumors were swirling last month 14 cities in the united states are planning to ban meat 
The news made its rounds mostly on conservative news websites. The Federalist reported that the plan for 2030 outlines some very ambitious goals. These include zero consumption of meat, zero consumption of dairy, three new clothes items per year per person, zero private vehicle ownership, and one short return airline flight per person once every three years. Mm -hmm. Close to 100 cities have signed on to the deal. In the United States, this includes Austin, Boston, Chicago, Houston, Los Angeles, Miami, New Orleans, New York City, Philadelphia, Phoenix, Portland, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., and Seattle. It's all part of the C40 Cities program. Yep. In October 2019, it declared on its website, 14 cities commit to sustainable food policies that will address the global climate emergency. And it alleges that eating a sustainable diet and avoiding food waste could cut greenhouse gas emissions from the food we eat by more than 60%. This was all part of what it called the Planetary Health Diet, which it claimed could save 11 million lives each year if adopted universally. And it says as well that mayors will work with their citizens to achieve a planetary health diet for all by 2030. And it's not some big secret either. The C40 Cities program has all the cities involved globally listed publicly on its website. And many of these cities have actively been involved in passing legislation in line with this agenda. So despite what the fact checkers say, this agenda is very much real. Yeah, this is all the World Economic Forum stuff, Klaus Schwab, Davos, Switzerland. This is why like, we need to just drop a little nuke on Klaus Schwab stop, and all these remaining stop, stop, out there. Yeah. Seven years from now, oh. you will own nothing and like it. You will be He's making better climate for the world, and you will eat vegetables, and you will not enjoy your cheese steak or your roast pork Italiano. Yeah, good luck with that. And oh, by the way, only three clothing items per year. And you will only fly once every three years. So if for all of you that can afford a biannual trip on vacation, no, 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 you won't get those six trips in three years. You'll get one. By the way, of all the cities uh, that are allegedly polic- uh, participating in this, um, uh, Philadelphia will be the hardest to implement it. Oh, <laughs> yes. Can you imagine? Cheesesteaks, pork sandwiches, ribeyes, <laughs> burgers. This city's lived off beef forever. <laughs> it's one of the most unhealthiest cities in the world. There's three things we do in this city. We watch the Eagles, we eat meat, and we get angry. Yep. And you're going to try to take one of those three away? I don't think so. Just be careful. Just, you know, if you see stories about this, just be careful because this is, you know, this isn't being talked this isn't being talked no. about a lot. Of and, course not. And it 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 should be. And that that's why, you know, you see the price of home ownership and how difficult it is right now. That they, they these 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 global elites, and I don't like to go all conspiratorial and do this like Alex Jones, Tucker Carlson. But this isn't stuff. this isn't that. I this know. is this is But they like, don't want you I to look own this a home. Up. Yeah, yeah. They 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 want you to rent. They want you to lease. You're gonna own nothing and you'll be happy is the way they portray it. Yeah. But part of this funded by Biden's inflation reduction act, right? This oh. is part part of this yeah. is is in Biden's, you know, Legi- his proposed legislation. The day, they, so, the, day they, the day they try to take red meat away from Nick Kale, is, <laughs> I tell you right now, as a man who probably eats a little bit too much beef. Yeah, I'll be honest. If they, the, you know what the, the the real issue is, they have to maybe in school teach kids how to how to cook. None of us. I mean, 
very few people actually know how to to cook and bake and make delicious and i wish i knew this make delicious vegan or vegetarian meals Mm -hmm. because most individuals especially you know you think about philadelphia meat and potatoes or meat and pasta meat and rice right carbs and protein yeah and so it's the old model so to me i actually i mean i wouldn't mind doing that if i just knew Mm -hmm. how to I don't know how to cook that way and make it delicious. But I, yeah, well, the delicious thing is the hard part, right? Like you can look the up really hard. I you just can look up the this, recipe yeah. and try to do it, but damn, it's going to taste like eating a flip flop. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, look, I just look, did this look, over the guys, weekend. Like guys, I made something in there. I'm like, I, try it. It's I did this. Wheat and did it. And I like, did this. Ugh. I did this for ten years. It, it's not that hard. It really isn't that hard to and make it's, delicious it's, meals. Yes. Right. It's yes, still, it's very good. Yes, I made vegetarian. Tacos for years, and it was fabulous. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. the, you know, I like that. Stuff. You can, because, because, like, when you eat a taco, are you? You just want the seasoning, like, yeah. right? Like, it's, if you put yeah. the cumin and the and the. Uh, and to be honest, the tacos. Really, I mean, you got the beef soaked in the grease with the seasoning and all the cheese and sour cream. It's really not that healthy for you. But when you go vegetarian, it, it is, and it still can be pretty good. Yeah, I just didn't like the it's reason. A hot- the reason I switched back was because I just I there's too much you know with all the beyond crap and everything like that there's just too much process processing stuff. Mm-hmm. there's just too much process stuff and I didn't you know I, I just didn't know what I was putting in my body so I was like if I'm going to eat something that tastes like a burger I might as well just eat the burger mm-hmm. you right. know I wasn't doing it for ethical reasons was, like like I'm not you know but from a cost because uh, I, I I think most people look at it from the cost and then the time it takes to prep it it were were either of those an issue for you for no. 10 years no. for me yes Okay. Well, yeah. I have a kid who he just we thought he was allergic to meat. Like he he's just an old soul, Michael. He will not. He has never had meat, and is very hesitant to even eat fish. Mm -hmm. Trust me. And I've I've ordered all the seaweed high pro because protein's an issue. Yeah. Because as you're supposed to have like 50 grams of pro, we're not even eating enough protein. Mm -hmm. So like I've we've tried ordering every we've tried every kind of pasta with a different seaweed pro. It's just not good. You're not yeah. like the people that go to a restaurant and ask, uh, "What's gluten free and what kind of oil do you b- uh, put your potatoes in?" Are you are you those kind of Nick, people? Nick, stop talking. That's, <laughs> that's, that's some of the big managers here. Buddy. You don't use peanut oil, do you? No, Is I that do that. Oil? Yes, I do that. And when hey, you're, my... by the way, when you're providing for like a football team and you have all the kids with yeah. celiac and all the, I mean, oh. allergies and all this stuff. My father has a very severe peanut allergy, and he was like, "It's not. He's not a millennial. He yeah. was born no. in 1953. Yeah. So like, it's a know, real. Th- it's, it's horrible. A, it's a horrible you real thing. Yeah, yeah. You should have seen me with with my in laws and and my wife at the time. You know, she doesn't like anything, so she wants to order something something on the menu and say uh i don't want this on it this or that but can you add this to the side and then the mother-in-law with all the allergies and the gluten and i'm just like 30 minutes go by and the waitress finally gets to me and i'm like i'm gonna make it for, real easy for you i'll take the burger medium well with the waffle fries she's like oh you were very easy thank you sir and you'll be dead by 62 <laughs> with a smile yeah, with on the my high face. Co- no there's a restaurant in philadelphia called veg on locust street yeah, yeah. i love that place oh my gosh yeah, it is fabulous. if i could cook like that yeah but I just did it over the weekend. I tried all these dishes, and they're like, Mom, maybe if you soaked it in syrup. I don't know. You know it's like, you know, they're trying to be polite. Yeah. I try. It's just, it's for me, it's just really, the veg makes it look, I'm talking about delicious mm. meals that are totally vegan. It's not easy because we're not raised with it. Um, so, anyway. 
Uh, I digress. By the way, uh, streaming live on YouTube, youtube.com slash at 1210WPHT. Please hit the like button. If you have not done so yet, please hit the subscribe button. We're at 108 likes. I want to get up to 200 because there's more than 200 people watching. So I would like to get to 200 likes uh, right now. Uh, speaking of the WEF, um, they discussed – this is John Kerry's daughter, Vanessa Kerry, mm. was doing this roundtable about covid uh, and and climate and all kinds of stuff. Oh. And one of the uh, participants asked, "Have we forgotten about COVID?" Oh yes, because like J- Vanessa Carey seems to be very upset that people have moved on from COVID, right? And they want to know how we can ramp this back up. Yeah, i.e. the fear. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This is cut two, Daniel. The pandemic was an opportunity. I think all over the world people realize how important health was how now do we take that emotion of my the health the health factor is so critical but guess what guys the climate crisis is creating more health issues than you can ever imagine but no one has been able to make that link in the past so i think we are living in an age age now at a time now where we need to grasp these opportunities and work together and really build on that right and I want to ask you a question about mm-hmm. that for a moment, though, because you're right. I feel the same way yeah. about COVID taught us all these lessons yeah. learned, and yeah. we should be incorporating yeah. that. And the climate crisis is going to yeah. be so much worse. But I believe we were talking a little before we started yeah. the panel people have about forgotten. people forgotten yeah. and don't care. So how do we keep that yeah. front and center? So, Sorry, yeah, I, 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 you're absolutely right. We were just talking about it earlier that have people forgotten about COVID? No, no. Right? So I think it's about the storytelling element. I think that a lot of the things we say the on health are very doom and gloom. Very, very much. You know, the, even on the climate issues, right? We it's So to, this, to, the, to the extent that people feel like, I can't deal with this anymore. I can't do this but telling you know really inspiring stories about what is possible if we work together so similarly i think with the climate crisis we've got to bring those stories out that sense of possibility mm. storytelling guys yeah and remember cl- climate change is connected to covid it's like wow. the knee bones connected to the hip bone oh how dare people actually move on after the realization that for most of us covid is nothing more than the cold or the flu hey, you know i've said this on the in the past on the show there's just that side of the spectrum they they need COVID. COVID's like their friend. It's like, you know, it's like that little stuffed animal that you got when you were six and you never let it go and it was always there by your side. I think these simps and these sheep out there, they really <laughs> actually yes. need COVID to be a factor in their <laughs> life. Yes. It's really bizarre. Yes. That's something that, and look, I'm not oblivious to the fact that a lot of people died from COVID, but they romanticize with COVID. Like I used to do the transistor radio with Harry Callis in the Phillies. <laughs> it's really odd. It's like became a part of their daily fabric. Well, they, I mean, in that clip, they basically said, hey, look, people are forgetting about this. People are, uh, it's still around. People have kind of moved on. How do we get this back into the mainstream media? That's, have, that's literally what they're discussing. People have moved on because every variant and every strain has been more transmissible but less severe. Nobody really cares except for the few people that still walk around masked up for God knows why. Yep. It's almost like they're saying, you know, what you should, what they really are saying, okay, can we put the death tracker back up on CNN screen? <laughs> That's, yes. That was glued on TV for a year. They would be super happy if the death tracker went back up on CNN. Case count, hospitalization, yep. death, yep. percent vaxxed, yep. percent with their third shot. <laughs> 
Uh, oh my goodness. We we play this not for salacious reasons, but for just to show what's happening in our schools. Now, this is not one of our schools, but these, uh, as Dawn has pointed out, these these are happening in Bucks County schools right now. This is from Lexington County, South Carolina. A parent read from a book that was available in uh, these school districts, the Lexington County School District. Now, it is high school, but still. Uh What's interesting about this is that he gets up, he starts reading about it, and the board <laughs> stops him. They stop him from reading it. They cut his mic. They try and talk over him. He then he then bleeps himself. I bleep some of it because it's graphic. Mm. And and this, so this shows is, for, and this shows for adults. By this, the way, this is similar to John Kennedy reading that book. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So wait, let me give you five seconds. If you are if you have a child in the car right now, five, four. Three, two, one. Come back to us in like three minutes. Um, I beeped out all the stuff, but it's still graphic. Uh, this is a parent reading from a pornographic book available in your local library. Cut eight. Red Hood, which is a book in Airport and BC High School, has not been um, come a book before the board or any committee yet. Has detailed graphic sex scenes between minors, and it's in our public schools right now. Jeez. Let me give you an example of this. Do y'all want freedom for our kids to read this in high school? His pubic hair surrounding his is and urgent, and you stroke it with your fingers. Mr. Sires, Mr. Sires, I'm going to have to stop and ask that you don't read aloud, please. Let me bleep it Read yourself. They cut his mic. Guide it towards your entrance of your bleep. Mr. Sires. Bleep, scary. There's other... Mr. Sires, I would have to ask... Is that book not good enough? What about A Court of Mist and Fury? By Sarah Mass, I wanted him, wanted every glorious <laughs> re-shuddered, oh and I watched his bleep twitch. When I ta- when I stopped caring, he nudged bleep interest and paused. Mr. Sires, <laughs> do we think that that material is okay in our schools? Why do we want that freedom in our school district? Because these kids that are reading this these books are 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. They take those books home so their siblings can get a hold of that stuff as well do we find that appropriate in our school district do we because that is absurd to have explicit sexual material between minors to be read by minors in our school district between like what what kind of world are we living in b-u-h-t-w-e so these are two of many books and many other books that have not been found yet that provide deeply disturbing sexual material i never thought that i would see the day that our school district not only provides but promotes graphic, detailed scenes between minors and to be read my, to be read by. There you go. So a couple of things here. Uh, <laughs> think about the way the schools and the left process this with their rationale. It's okay for the minor to see and read that book in the school, but I'll be damned if the dad doesn't have his microphone cut off yeah. by the school mm-hmm. personnel because that should not be read in this setting. So. 38-year-old dad out of line for reading it, 16-year-old little Skippy, it's okay. And, oh, by the way, I don't know if they know that that book contains that and they just don't care, or they're not doing a good enough job doing the screening and the due diligence and the vetting of the material. But one way or the other, that right there is not permissible for minors. And the other piece of it that I think about is, what's the point? Of some of these books what what's the point like catcher on the rye 
You know, people over the years have said that you have to watch the age group. There's vulgarity. There's violence. There's sexual content. The prostitution, situ- you know, the prostitute, you know, scene, etc. But the point of Catcher in the Rye or books, we could we could go through many books. The point is not that, right? It, it, it's dealing with that. That's in a con a greater context, and so it's a coming of age story. Yes, but it's it's about ma- many deeper issues in life. Mm-hmm. And so you look at that and you think, what's the point of some of these books? The point of some of these books is to normalize different behaviors and talk about basically different body parts and different positions. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with uh, gender or LGBTQ+, plus because quite frankly, fill in the bank, blank and you could put heterosexual in there, right? Yeah. So it's really about just normalizing talking about these things, I yep. guess, in school. Yep. And, and normalizing all different kinds of positions and exposing that yeah. to younger and younger kids. That's the point of the very book. There's no other context. There's no other greater meaning. Yeah, I was having thoughts about this general topic on Sunday because after Daddy-Daughter Weekend was coming to a close, before I took my daughters back up to Bethlehem, Kristen said, uh, Olivia needs the uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory book for school. They start reading it on Tuesday. And I was like, all right, I'll take her to the, the Barnes & Noble over off of Chemical Road. And uh, went in, spoke to the uh, the librarian, so to speak, and she showed me where it was. We got it and got out. But these things are entering my mind. I, I know that because that's written by uh, Roald uh, Dahl. And we've we've had those conversations with his books in the past under this whole book banning concept. So, yeah, very I, interesting. And so I think, you know, we've talked about the best-selling book that a lot of high school, maybe sophomores, The Kite Runner, New York Times bestseller. It's an amazing book um, written by somebody who's an Afghan refugee, and there are some graphic scenes in that, but these are high school kids. But what's the book about? What You know, it's from a, a different perspective, and there's a greater meaning to that book. But a lot of these books, like the one Senator Kennedy, Kennedy read that we've played, the the whole point of the book mm-hmm. is just to talk about really graphic, uh, intimate positions. I'd actually like to take that book that that father just read and have Mr. Kennedy read it in <laughs> Kennedy dialect. It'd be really riveting. Right and now. in your surrounding quiver of your, you know, this guy, the father was even felt indecent to read it. Yeah. He was doing his own bleep. Uh-huh. Greg didn't even have to bleep all of it. We actually you know? should have uh, John Kennedy uh, give us the play-by-play of Bobert Gate at the movie theaters. <laughs> uh, yeah, jo- John on the YouTube chat writes, you guys should hire him for the bleeping sound. So instead of the beep, yeah. just have him go bleep. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> bleep. We won't need Valdez or Dorenzo to do any of the censoring. We'll just use him as the censor. Um, we, I know the uh, the Menendez stuff happened uh, yesterday, and Dawn and, and, and Dom and Rich talked about it but just let me go through a few uh cuts for those of you uh who didn't see it or didn't hear his press conference we played some this morning uh he started out by saying sometimes prosecutors just get it wrong and in this case they did this is cut nine good morning thank you to all of you who are here today especially the new jerseyans who have joined me as i address the events of the last few days on friday the southern district of new york bore charges against me I understand how deeply concerning this can be. However, the allegations leveled against me are just that, allegations. For anyone who has known me throughout my 50 years of public service, they know I have always fought for what is right. My advocacy has always been grounded in what I learned from growing up as a son of Cuban refugees, especially my mom, my hero, 
Evangelina Menendez. Everything I've accomplished, I've worked for, despite the naysayers and everyone who has underestimated me. I recognize uh, this will be the biggest fight uh, yet, but as I have stated throughout this whole process, I firmly believe that when all the facts are presented, not only will I be exonerated, I'll be guilty as but I still will be the New Jersey's senior senator. Oh, boy. For now, I want to address four things. Four things. Four. First, a cornerstone of the foundation of American democracy and our justice system is the principle that all people are presumed innocent until proven guilty. All people. I ask for nothing more and deserve nothing less. Mm. The court of public opinion is no substitute for our revered justice system. How do you think he thinks about We Trump? cannot set aside <laughs> the presumption of innocence yeah. for political expediency oh. when the harm is irrevocable. Very convenient, buddy. To those who have rushed to judgment, you have done so based on a limited set of facts framed by the prosecution to be as salacious as possible. Remember, prosecutors get it wrong sometimes. Ah, I've heard that. Mm. I, you know, interesting. It's, it's like uh, Bender in the Breakfast Club when <laughs> Vernon comes in. Who closed that door? Yep. Sir, screws fall out all the time. The world's <laughs> an imperfect place. I, I love that. Hey, it's a great line. Yeah. So, yeah, look, some, it's, yeah, you're right. Prosecutors get it wrong. By the way, if you're watching right now on YouTube, youtube.com slash at 1210 WPHD, there's a split screen with him. And, like, you can see, like, all the stuff that they took from his house. And, and like, the gold bars are, like, comically... <laughs> like it's it's like what Scrooge McDuck would have, or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I love too with the with the uh, the jacket or whatever it is where he's got the stuff stuffed in it. His name is on the pocket on the chest. Yeah, like you couldn't look I more know. guilty. It I know. It's almost so obvious that it looks like it was staged, yep. right? That's what I said yesterday. I like know. this whole thing is just too like textbook. Yeah. you know, I I, I don't know. It's like too easy, or too something. way too easy. How not to cover up a conceal corruption? Yeah. By Bob Menendez. Uh, Tracy writes on the YouTube chat, no one should be serving 50 years in government. No one. I agree Agreed. with that yep. one bajillion percent. This is case example 37,852 right here. 50 years in the Senate, and he has... How much How much did he say he had in his quote-unquote savings account? What, 486 grand? Wow, well, that's like a... That. I mean, boy, he must have been really skimping on his pennies. I know. For that, <laughs> what is it, $170,000 salary he yeah. has? Nice. Wow, he must have really saved up over the years. Uh, here's here's a sneak peek of my afternoon after I get up from my nap today. Yeah, hello, uh, Citizens Bank. Yes, this is Nick Kale. Um, I'd like to withdraw $722 from my savings account. I'm going to stuff it in my golf shoes in my closet. And give me a gold, yeah, Can I get that converted to a gold bar? Um, he said that, that all the money was from his personal savings account um, because and he used his uh, his his... His heritage as an excuse. This is cut 10. Third, for 30 years, I have withdrawn thousands of dollars in cash from my personal savings account, which I have kept for emergencies and because of the history of my family facing confiscation in Cuba. You were born in New York. Now, this may seem <laughs> old-fashioned, but these were monies drawn from my personal, personal savings account nothing wrong with based that. on the income that I have lawfully derived over those 30 years. I look forward to addressing other issues at trial. There we go. Trial. This is what you can accumulate at 0.02% interest. 
in your savings account if you're a swamper for 50 years. It's amazing. It's a chain. All of these people are multi, uh-huh. multi, multi millionaires on 170 grand a year. Classic, it's unbelievable. Classic, uh, classic left wing to uh, playing the identity politics card. Uh, they lean on it. They play it. They overuse it. Oh, this is my family. This is what we do. Don, what's the marital status of Mr. Menendez? This is a second wife. What's the yes. story? Yeah, so, but they just... Younger? Younger, and they've had uh, quite the romance, Mm. and they've only been married a few years, but there was a famous scene at the Taj Mahal, they put it on social media, where he proposed to her, so very lavish lifestyle. Bob, is that a gold bar in your pocket, (laughs) or are you just happy to see your younger wife? Uh, Tracy writes, this is this, this is his second indictment and nothing happened then either. Mm-hmm. Um, Hung jury. I, I do agree with that. However, uh, this time you have a lot of prominent Democrats who are calling for his resignation. When John Fetterman says you have to go, <laughs> it's over. <laughs> uh, he says calls for my resignation are politically motivated. Cut 11. Instead of waiting for all the facts to be presented, others have rushed to judgment because they see a political opportunity for themselves or those around them all i humbly ask for in this moment in my colleagues in congress the elected leaders and the advocates of new jersey that i have worked with for years as well as each person who calls new jersey home is to pause and allow for all the facts to be presented yeah we don't want to jump to conclusions we want to pause for yeah just like just like he did, I'm sure, with Trump, right? Yeah. Can we keep that freeze frame of Fox News right there, Daniel? I want to see, because the split screen, you see the wardrobe with the cash. The gold bars look like they were taken out of King Tut's tomb. And then you've got the black Mercedes soft top convertible from 2019. That's a sexy looking ride. That, yeah. that is. It goes for 60 grand. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's a Piazza. It might be a Piazza Mercedes. AC, exactly right, the right. There you go, Don. <laughs> um... So what are top Democrats saying about this? Nancy Pelosi was on with Jen Psaki last night because she, uh, by the way, I, I, don't know we, I don't know if we discussed this. She's She now hosts a Monday night show yeah. oh. at 8 p.m. primetime. So it's her and then and then Rachel Maddow um, back to back. They gave they gave Chris Hayes four days a week. OK, so Saki's doing two shows a week now. She's doing two shows moving a week on now. Up. Yeah, she's okay. moving on up. She's going to replace uh, Chris Hayes anytime now. Um, so she asked Pelosi on if Menendez should resign, and this is what she said, cut 14. Several House Democrats, along with New Jersey's Governor Phil Murphy, have all called on Senator Menendez to resign. Do you think he should resign? I respect their position that they are taking, and the charges are uh, formidable. And if, in fact, we're going to say that if you're indicted, you should resign, we have a situation in the House uh, as you know from mm-hmm. the state of New York, uh, that that would hold uh, too. Uh, but right now, sadly, because of the challenges that we face, because the skepticism that exists in our country about governance, about this Republican Party that doesn't believe in governance, doesn't believe in science, so wants to take down everything in order to give tax breaks to the wealthiest, we've got to stay focused on that. And for that reason, it'd probably be a good idea if he did resign. Uh, I thought for a second Nancy was going to give a non-answer like she did with Kamala and then say... Uh, Please don't bother me with such frivolity, okay? No. So, so the Republicans okay. don't adhere and believe in science. That's a very interesting concept. goes yeah. back to our conversation in uh, hour two this morning, Dawn, where, um, you know, 
boys claim to be girls. I guess they don't adhere to the science either because the biology says, dude, you're a dude. (laughs) But by the way, it is interesting that so many Democrats have come out and said, yeah, he should probably resign. I mean, they they all tiptoe around it. Mm -hmm. But Trump, but this, but that, but mm-hmm. Republicans, but they're all they're all saying the same thing. See, that's so. where if if I'm if I'm Jen, as you would say, Pasaki, um, I would lit- legitimately say, with all due respect, Miss Pelosi, uh, what does Trump or Republicans have to? We're talking about Mr. Menendez here. What do you think should happen to a member of your party? I hate the little pivot. It, it, when in doubt, pivot to Trump. Yep. it's unbelievable. Yep. Uh, we should probably get to the big three because All right. it's, uh, it's sponsored. Yeah, it's 8.39 and we've yeah. been doing the cut sheets since uh, last Thursday. <laughs> there we go. Good stuff as always, though. Great cut sheet. Uh, of course. Uh, 8.39 on this Tuesday morning as we get to a Don Stenzel and Big Three at 8. It's the Big Three at 8 on Kale and Company. Yes, and Big Three at 8 sponsored this morning by Piazza Auto Group. Number one, since you talked about Philadelphia and Mayor Jim Kenney's C40 initiative, which continues, there's a lot going on with that. I'll begin with Legos. Yes, Denmark's Lego announcing it remains committed to its quest to find sustainable materials to reduce carbon emissions. (laughs) But an experiment, a billion-plus-dollar experiment by Lego, uh, it failed. It didn't work. Proud to say that I never was a Lego kid growing up. By oh, the really? Way, which explains why I can't build or do uh, develop anything <laughs> as a handyman. My my basement is full of Legos. Can I mean, they come up with sustainable Legos that don't hurt when you step on them exact, with bare feet? Thank mm-hmm. you. I Ask stepped on me. one last night and my foot still hurts. <laughs> yep. Ask me about the time that I just got out the leaf blower uh-huh. and just yeah. right, you know, out to the wall. Shock it to smithereens. <laughs> <laughs> We've all had those moments. Yeah. But now they're saying that the world's largest toy maker will stop trying to use recycled plastic bottles to make the Lego bricks because mm. it doesn't work. <laughs> so they're not moving forward <laughs> with the <clears throat> trademark colorful bricks made from recycled plastic bottles because, mm. okay. you know, it's it's a failed experiment. Right. So they're going to and it didn't reduce carbon emissions at all. And in fact, it was worse. Yeah, okay. <laughs> So we've got that going on. Very good. Uh, there are many. There are many. By the way, um, as we look at Philadelphia, and I've seen these emissions stories that have been popping up. And so this is the climate pledge. Mayor Jim Kenney signing on to this one, and this this C forty climate pledge that Greg Stocker referred to uh, by Amazon and Global Optimism. Those are the, the the backers, the financial backers. It's a partnership to tackle carbon emissions through zero emissions by freight. Okay, by reimagining medium and heavy duty shipping vehicles and the routes they travel. This is something that Philadelphia has signed on to and believes in. And so in the city of Philadelphia, they really want to crack down on road freight because it's a major source of air pollution and one of the most important sectors to decarbonize. So this is this is serious. This is Mayor Jim Kenney, who is also signing on to this. This impacts Philadelphia, not just because of the meat consumption, which they, yes, signed on to, which is not making headlines. Yep. But another, you talk about the shipping industry, right, and how we get, because we have a shipyard here. They're saying that this is part of our Philadelphia climate pledge. We've signed on to this. Very interesting. Cracking down on emissions by these freight vehicles and and accelerating the transition, another trans mm-hmm. transition to EV freight. Yeah. 
So many different initiatives to complement this. Yeah, the only transitions I make are on this show when we go from one topic to the next. <laughs> That's about the, uh, the max of my trends. But Mayor Jim Kenney saying air pollution, it's a global issue, mm. and this is a crisis. Interesting. Everything's yep. a crisis. It's a climate crisis. crisis. Except the border. Except the border. Except yeah. we're not yeah. talking about that, though. Yeah. We're not going to talk about that. People. Or the economy. And we talked about, you know, the book bans and whether or not this plays well. We've talked about the Perky Omen School District, for example, talking about bathroom bans. I'll say to you that within the pet less than 24 hours ago, this is a main top uh, talking point as California Governor Gavin Newsom signed into law a bill that prevents school boards from banning or censoring any textbooks which tackle racial wow. or LGBTQ plus issues. And so he delivered this repudiation against these book bans. So he's against the banning of a book where it challenges things such as trans. Can, can we also stop using the word banning? It's not you're not banning right. it. Like Thank you're not you. taking right. them. You're you're just removing them from shelves in libraries. Yeah, like you can still go buy them on Amazon. Correct. That's not banning a book. Yeah, or so you go to your Barnes Noble, like I did. Yep. All right. Uh, by the way, we also have two. The breaking news story within the past hour that near the White House, two people have been arrested because of uh, some kind of they were they had some armaments. Nobody's hurt. Mm. But I just thought I would mention that breaking news. Okay. Story. All right. Let somebody show up in a vehicle with weapons or something. Yeah. So they they have two arrests that they're they're saying that these two shady individuals mm. uh, with bullets and armed. So we've got that developing story later tonight around the White House. We'll hear they had red hats on and you know the whole bit. I don't know. Uh, shop the, let's talk about Piazza Auto Group, our sponsor of our big three. Shop the entire Mazda crossover and SUVs lineup at Piazza Mazda of Westchester and Reading. The 2023 Mazda CX-5, CX-9, CX-30, and CX-50 available for immediate delivery. Find yours, PiazzaMazda.com. Thank you, Piazza Auto Group, P-I-A-Z-Z-A, Piazza Auto Group, for sponsoring our big three. Right, Dawn, thank you very much. <laughs> 855-839-1210 is how you climb in. Still ahead this morning, we're finally going to get the debate. It's going to be on November 30th, but will anybody really care? We'll get to that story. And also, one-third of Democrats say that Americans have too much freedom to speak freely. <laughs> I have to get these two stories. I swear I have to get oh to. I have like four or five stories, but those two, I swear I will not get sidetracked. We will get to those, I promise. <laughs> and we'll do that when we continue. It's Kale and Company live here on a Tuesday. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. This is the Kale and Company podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and on the free Odyssey app. I'll tell you what, I cannot wait. I can't wait for the trip of a lifetime. And I hope you join me. Please, let's escape. Escape to one of the most beautiful places in the entire world. You know, the last time the WPHT travelers visited Italy, they discovered northern Italy. Next, we are headed to southern Italy on a gastro gastronomical tour of the most beautiful coastline, seriously, in the entire world, the Amalfi Coast. Join me for 12 magical days in luxury with the one and only professionals, once again, from conservative tours. So if I'm putting my good name on the line here, I want to travel with the very best tour operator in all of Italy, my friends at Conservative Tours. A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, by the way. We're going to take the high-speed jet foil to the Isle of Capri. 5267, that includes your airfare, luxury hotels, dining events galore, 
We're going to remember this and talk about this for years. Toll free, 888-CALL now, 888-733-9494, or just go to conservativetours.com. I'm talking about the Abbey of Monte Cassino, Italy's best kept secret, Puglia, Medieval, Caserta, Sorrento, Pompeii, a chance to see the great sights in Rome, the Colosseum, all before we head back home. We're not going to want to leave, but we're going to have a wonderful time and make some cherished memories together. Join me next spring in Italy. I'll see you on the Isle of Capri. How does that sound? Call now, 888-733-9494, conservativetours.com. Tell them Dawn sent you. Start your day with Kale and Company. Weekday mornings, 6 till 10, on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app.